Yo, I'm back, coming at you once again with the Faces of UBC podcast. This week I had a great conversation with my good friend Caleb Pleasure. Caleb is in the fine arts program here at UBC and is pursuing acting. Our conversation moved along all kinds of topics. We discussed moving across the world, technology's exponential trends, politics, life, you know, the works, as usual. Give it up for the man. See pleasure. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, we're on. All right. What's up? We're back. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm doing real good. How are you? I'm very well. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the world and we'll start this bitch. Sounds good. <laughs> well, hello world. I'm Caleb Pleasure. I'm a California resident and a UBC BFA acting student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what brought you to UBC? This is the classic question. The classic question. Well, should I start from like the real beginning? Should we get right Do it, into man. it? Yeah. All right. Why not? Well... It kind of, it's a funny little story, honestly. Like, I was, I was raised, I was born and raised in Bay Area, California. Bay Area. Yup. (laughs) 408, what's up? (laughs) And it just, that perspective of having a mother who was born and raised in Canada and a father who kind of was in and out of the picture, uh, it led a lot of independent support for myself. And I was very fortunate to be raised in, uh, private educational system so I went to private school for most of my life and Mm. then in eighth grade when I came back from living in France for a couple years I went to a a little prestigious eighth grade middle school or whatever the fuck it is okay (laughs) and from there all the boys in my class all like seven of them they went to this private all boys high school and I was very disappointed I didn't get in but at the exact same time my only option from there on was the public school down the road from my house Mm -hmm. And it was a performance art magnet school in the Bay Area, even though California gives no funding to those schools. Mm. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That being in that situation, I very much drove myself into some form of the arts. And that happened to be acting. And I picked it up and did some summer programs. And before I knew it, I realized that Canadian school is cheaper than community college in the States. And crazy. I've always wanted to move up here. And so I took the opportunity. That's awesome. Did you come to Canada before ever moving here or did you just go? I have. So my mom's from Waterloo, Ontario originally. And so we have a whole bunch of family out in Ontario. Nice. people that she went to university with there like we consider each other family so i got cousins who go to like university of waterloo or who mm. live in like alberta and stuff like that peterborough cool yeah the cold side of the cold side yeah, <laughs> i can't do that yeah. I'm, I'm very much a cali boy. retreat to the west coast <laughs> stay over here dude. west coast best coast yeah absolutely exactly so yeah what what was it about acting do you think that like drew you in drew mm. you into because you're a, you're an artist you're a DJ of sorts, <laughs> amateur <laughs> of sorts. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's unique. Like, what really got me into it is kind of exactly what I touched on for a split second. It was going to Abraham Lincoln High School in San Jose, California. The first year, I was in a beginning acting drama program, and I was always the shy kid. Like, I mm. didn't. It was just kind of a way for me to keep the extracurricular hours, stay out of trouble a little bit. Mm-hmm. And dive into something completely new and i absolutely loved the ability to transform out of my everyday lifestyle and mm. current situation and pick up some other characters problems or right like passions and stuff like that and i just stuck to it and very fortunately i i won an award first year out of all four years of high school of the outstanding actor award nice and that's awesome anyone likes a good compliment so <laughs> <laughs> it, it just pushed me uh-huh. to keep it up 
and by doing that, I stayed into advanced drama. And then before I knew it, I was in the high school acting company, so mm-hmm. boxed in theater company. And I loved it. And every summer I had an opportunity, I went and did a little acting program just to see if it's something I really wanted to do. And the year before I came to university, I went to Brown University as like a real, is this what I want to do? Is this mm-hmm. what I want to go study potentially? Mm-hmm. And it all just kind of fell into place. I really absolutely loved the ability to like study history, study the world, to study science. Like there's literally nothing that goes through our world or our day-to-day life that you can't pick up in one form or another in theater or right. in acting. Absolutely. So that's something that just like, it's not closing doors off, it's opening all the doors around you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like you say, you can dive into whatever life, whatever character you, you want, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like I, I was raised by my mom as like an independent figure and I definitely had other people around, but my, like I lived in France for a while, so I was split. How long were you in France? I lived in France for three and a half years. Shit. Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, just outside of Paris in a town called Gauche. Gauche. Uh, you speak French? I do. Oui. Oh, Je parle oh français ouais. En ah. Yeah. Uh, je m'appelle Sam. Uh, comment t'appelles-tu? Uh, je m'appelle Caleb Pleasure. Ah, oh, Caleb. Uh, quel âge as-tu? Uh, je suis 20 ans. Oh, that's, that's really all my French. Uh, ça va? <laughs> Ça va bien. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a French listener who's just like, he's full of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey man, as long as you can commit to the accent, I find that it's okay. Oh, for you know? sure. Yeah. But I was only there for like fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, so it kind of it was a very early portion of my life, and mm-hmm. especially like the older we get, like we don't tend to hear people talk about those years as being influential, mm. and so. Or typically, you don't mm-hmm. hear those years as being super influential. Is that 10, 11, 12? Or? Uh, it was something around there. like okay. Yeah, something like that. I think it was double digits already. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, I went into it with an angry mindset. I was like, I'm being pulled away from my father. Like, I'm mm-hmm. going with my stepdad. Like, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm going to France for no reason. Like, what should have been a golden opportunity, I was just a sourpuss about. Mm-hmm. And it took me a good year once I was there to be like, hey, this is fucking cool. Yeah, like, this is an opportunity. W- this is an opportunity. But yeah. it was always in the back of my head that I kind of want to go back. Like, I don't want to pick up on this new stuff. Right. But really, when I came back, it was like, holy shit. There's people who will never get to see that in their life. There's right. Some, and so it took a little bit more time to realize what I've seen. And mm-hmm. then it pushed more into the work. I'd Ye- love to go back. Yeah? Yeah. Go back to Europe? Yeah. yeah I find that that's an interesting kind of... Uh, I don't know, something I've had to think about in my life too, because as a kid, like you say, you're never really cognizant, not cognizant of like your environment. I mean, you are, but you don't take it, you take it for granted is what I guess exactly. what I'm saying. Yeah. You're it's, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm here in France and I don't really want to be here in France and like the smell weird and the food's crazy. And <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding to a lot of French people, but it's definitely different and it's a complete culture shock too mm. and like if you're raised in the united states there's always kind of that like patriot underlying right it's like i am proud to be an american yeah and yeah like as a kid that can be very supportive it, it mm. gives you a very balanced state of mind to go kind of anchors you it, right it anchors you exactly yeah, yeah but when you go somewhere where you finally realize people don't like you <laughs> just just for who you are and like, uh, you mean americans or like, americans and like, like that french happens. people didn't like uh, french people don't like americans yeah and yeah i think a lot of europeans don't like americans and i think a lot of the world doesn't like americans yeah and like no offense can't really blame them but yeah well at, i think at the exact same time like so much of that what you don't see 
until it happens to you and then it opens your eyes to everything that happens even back home in the states like how much hate there is within the united states itself mm. or like like the way people treat each other on their block it's right just, right i think I mean, I understand the sort of animosity toward Americans because a lot of people have this like stereotyped view of this obese, ignorant, you know, person riding around on like a little mobility scooter and <laughs> drinking a smoothie and shooting a machine gun. Got a Coors Light in one hand. Yeah, yeah. Has an America <laughs> fuck yeah hat on and like, which I, yeah, I understand. But again, it's so hard to generalize. 50 states you know like 300 million people you know what i mean like oh, for sure. Uh, sure there are a lot of people like that in the u.s i'm not going to deny that but there's also a lot of open-minded and beautiful creative people as well that that kind of i don't know that immediate kind of as soon as you're going into a conversation or an interaction with a preformed notion of somebody it really skews how much you're willing to sort of foster like the good side of them coming oh, out oh, you know for sure yeah and that's definitely something i'm sure if i spent more time in the u.s and grew up like spent that little bit of early childhood mm. in the u.s like that may have would have grown on me but right. it was the fact that i left that opened my eyes to mm. that at a younger age it was that there's a bigger difference than what i'm used to yeah. just around me and like you can't really blame people like even with a lot of different things it's kind of like what do their parents teach them like what did their grandparents teach their parents it, it kind of carries down right absolutely so people can always learn to change if they have the open mind for it but it really took me as like the younger kid who moved out on his own who's already trying to like stay away from home as much as possible mm. it's kind of like clicked it was just like mm. Mm. The coming world, the world has a lot of different views and that yeah. was that was kind of really the big eye-opening one absolutely i mean the difference between well france particularly but europe in general and america it's it is massive oh it's incredible. yeah yeah i mean it's still grouped as the western world like together you know europe and the u.s but like culturally and ideologically it's just very very different very different yeah yeah even in theatrical studies like you hear people going to like royal academies in scotland mm. and england and studying mime work or different kinds of mm. Chekhov or all kinds of stuff across europe mm -hmm. and when you boil that back down it's, we've taken that in the north american like canadian u.s acting programs but we've we've done it more for kind of hollywood film and stuff like that and obviously there's a amazing Canadian and U.S. playwrights who mm -hmm. have done very incredible work across the board that doesn't sit with what I'm just saying, but like, there's things that other countries do that we take and then simplify and call right. it our own. Right. And I think that's, it's funny, especially in the world of theater and art and acting, how that settles at the end. Don't you think, though, that's sort of, that's like the natural progression, right? Is like someone, someone invents something someone hears that thing that someone's created and like, hey, that's kind of good. What if I took that <laughs> and I like tweaked a little bit? You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. That's how art sort of progresses and yes, evolves. Certainly. And even like earlier modern technology, like who is the original creator of almost anything? Yeah. If you really go back, like someone who made something in Europe, like who made it in China? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. We've just been constantly feeding off each other. This, yeah, it's incredible. It's that's so like cool. a... It's a beautiful part of humanity, like the fact that we share so much. And the fact that, I mean, the internet has really kind of accelerated that, I think. Like just the fact that everybody can have this inf like instant connection with the entire world, literally, like through social media or whatever it is. I would think it's probably accelerated the rate of people 
like you know music progressing music evolving art evolving like the pace has probably just gone way up just because so many more people have access now absolutely like in very specific sense because i could go off on social media but if you look at soundcloud for instance Mm. like the rise and fall and then kind of the rebuilding of soundcloud because there was a moment where everyone was scared it was going to get shut down but so many is that right i didn't know that yeah i think like i could be so wrong and i don't really want to say this on air but I think like Wiz Khalifa supported it and bought it back out and then oh, something happened. Interesting. Some artist came in and saved a lot of the funding for it. Wow. But yeah, like you see how many artists, like how many individuals post to that, how many people feel that this that podcast. Is, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shout out SoundCloud. Some of my crap DJ. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, that, that, crap. that is an outlet and exactly like what you're talking about with social media, it, it allows an intelligence and an education to be at your fingertips yeah and depending on what you do with it it can go up or down drastically but Mm -hmm. it's it's incredible to have that at your fingertips absolutely yeah so much man we have so much at our fingertips like it's almost overwhelming yeah it is overwhelming if you don't know what to pinpoint things to like exactly like having a phone in your pocket your phone has replaced the need to go to a payphone, a calculator maps fucking anything, anything. a library any a dictionary yeah thesaurus encyclopedia cookbook, YouTube yeah videos on yeah like how to change your car tire like yeah <laughs> no it's incredible it's incredible but as long as you don't get lost in it and then feel like you don't have a grounding for yourself because right. it, as soon as you dive into something without an like you don't need a purpose for everything mm-hmm. but like if you dive into like research without a necessary end goal yeah you're gonna end up down gonna, a rabbit hole exactly yeah yeah and i've spent many a time <laughs> i'm sure we all have, <laughs> all have the YouTube how did segments. i end up getting like watching just people getting gored by bulls for half an hour <laughs> why am i watching people get stuff pulled out of their noses on youtube <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we've all done it but yeah it's, it's kind of funny how it works at the end yeah yeah how there's so much potential benefit but also so much potential wasted time right? sure yeah. exactly yeah and before this podcast i was just telling you about like my balance for free time and whatnot mm. in, in this current year of university like mm when I'm off and I'm not in classes, I'm very focused on getting my schoolwork done or working on the work that we do in my acting program. Mm-hmm. And then when that's over, I focus on doing my own art. I like draw, I write lyrics, I create beats, right. like, whatnot. And when you only continue to work, 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 where's that balance? Where's that free time? Where's mm. that other passion? Where's the room to grow in another realm? Doma- domain, it's like, yeah. It's not necessarily that I'm like lacking something. It's just kind of, I feel this presence that I'm only pushing myself down with the work that I've already built mm-hmm. and I'm not really opening anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like work, 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 work. Do you have any way to sort of decompress and sort of like completely remove yourself? None that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, There's I, that, like I, I like to do yoga a lot. Yeah. Actually, oh, like, I'm nice. been huge into yoga lately. Uh, just off like, YouTube again? Or? Not even. Like, no. I've taken some classes and stuff back in California where mm. it's just, like, we're led by, like, a small group, small teacher, and then the things I learned from there I just do on my own. Cool. But I've been doing, like, Tai Chi and stuff like that. As, it's, like, it always kind of wraps back to the acting, though, mm. like, through methods and different techniques of how to ground ourselves as a certain character and to ground ourselves as the blank canvas, as the actor. Right. You can build up anything you want. And it's a, it's all about the mindset that you go into it and mm-hmm. the emotion that you go into it. So if you tell yourself that, hey, I want to focus on 
working harder on my homework or I want to focus mm-hmm. harder on drawing or uh, any right. of that. You just dedicate time to it. Yeah. You learn about it in any way that interests you and you just go for it. Yeah. I think that's the key, right? Is in order to dedicate time and meaningful time, you do need that initial spark of interest. Oh, like absolutely. you have to have that. But you were saying like you were mentioning a friend um, earlier, like you, you may have that creative spark, but, a lot of people, especially creative types who are like very spontaneous and sort of just need like sort of free flowing behavior. They don't like to be boxed in. Mm. They may not have sort of the discipline necessary to really hone a craft or hone something to a state where they're really actualizing their true potential. Right. Yeah. Jaden Smith even talked about something like that. Will Smith's son Mm. was talking in an interview. He's rapping now, right? He is, yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good, I think. He's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got an interesting. I like his fashion a lot more than his Mm. music, but he's an interesting character. Yeah, very interesting. But he was talking about something along the lines where today's modern schools, the school system in the United States is more like a prison system where you Mm. show up at a certain time. You can't go outside if you want to, you can't do all these certain things. And I don't necessarily fully agree with his statements, but exactly what, what you were just saying right now, an artist may not feel the same room to grow if they're boxed in. Like, say, you have right. to read this chapter on medieval history yeah. and take six pages of notes yeah, and turn yeah. it in by Friday. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They're not going to feel that they have the realm to explore, like, medieval art, if that's something they're interested mm, in, or, like, right. medieval poetry or, like, yeah. any of that. So exactly what you're saying. Yeah, you know what's actually really fascinating about the American school system in mm. particular is... It was based on this, basically, it's from, I think, the 1800s, early to mid-1800s. I think a Prussian uh, education specialist or whatever basically helped design this system. But basically the whole uh, motivation of the school system is to get you ready for a job on an assembly line. Like, think about it, you're, you're... very regimented time-wise, right? You're, there's bells that go off that tell you when you can leave and when you can come in, how long you have to eat. Like, they're just trying to, like, mold you into this kind of drone. Like, I don't want to say drone because I had, a, I did have a great... I was honestly very, very, very beneficial, but very lucky, sorry. And I had an amazing high school experience. Obviously, some of it wasn't amazing, but majority of it really was great. But you can't get away from the fact that you are sort of being molded. Like like you said, just having to uh, submit assignments on time. And like they're, they're just setting you up for kind of cookie cutter type work. Like they don't foster that creative spark. And we're not building Model 3 <laughs> Fords anymore. Like. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the, where are the factories? They're in India and in China and we outsource Bangladesh. And, exactly. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, we could totally ramble about how capitalism has taken over the U.S., but I mm. see what you mean. And I think we're both fully raised in the States for education, right? Yeah, I was born in England and then went to school from... You actually start school a little bit earlier. I think I started school at four. Okay. Uh, or maybe five. And then from five till eight-ish. I was in England. Okay. And then came to uh, Chicago or Naperville, Illinois. Lived there from 8 to 11. So that was like, what, second to fifth grade. And then fifth grade till onward was in California. Okay. So relatively similar. A little bit of European education mixed in. Yeah. But honestly, it was pretty standard. Like the English public school system is pretty similar to American. And even like 
I wouldn't say my high school was the best high school nor the best experience, but the ups and downs, like if you can take that two second step back and realize I learn no matter what happens, like if you enjoy something or if something tears you to the ground and you have to spend a couple weeks like building yourself back up, you learn from all of that. Absolutely. And like it was never a huge in your face deal at my high school, but gang prevalency was was certainly around you couldn't wear two colors of red two colors of blue wow really i knew people on campus like you grew up in san jose high school in san jose Jose, but like east side san jose is a little sketch like parts of oakland are really sketch yeah it's all a beautiful area like you can't hold a stereotype to it like you can walk through parts of both those areas and be like this is incredible yeah i would live here in a heartbeat right i do want to but like at the same time there's things that happen there that is just like like on Halloween, three kids in my neighborhood were shot and killed. And like, oh my god! Like, is this it's stuff like that? Like, it's G- not, is it it's gang not, related? I, I think they ruled it not gang related, no. but like at the same time, can you really ever know? Because right. like in middle school and in high school, kids only feed off of what they see their older brothers or the older generation yeah. kind of doing. And if they're looking up to that gang activity and they're right. looking up to that, like fuck the police i'm gonna be the boss of my own self Mm -hmm. like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna run these streets then they're gonna copy some of that mentality yeah and that's when people start asking for fights or start right meddling in the wrong business and really like like i can understand maybe to a certain extent if that's like this is what i really really want to be but i don't believe that there isn't another passion there isn't something yeah. else that could totally drive you just as hard or if not harder to right. be something completely different because like you say that's i mean <laughs> no one who has the choice of like oh maybe i'll pursue um becoming an architect and like doing all this stuff i don't think you would choose necessarily to go the like gang member route oh, you know sure. what i mean if you had the opportunities available to you but Absolutely. i guess in that situation a lot of those kids maybe feel like they don't have any option or like you say, they have role models who they've looked up to and they've followed that life. And so they feel like in order to mature properly, they also need to follow the same footsteps as that. Absolutely. And it could yeah. totally be also like some of the like Mary Jan- or whatever, the Mary gendering or something of like the States. With gerrymandering. Like, exactly. My yeah. apologies. No, that's all good. Uh, it's a weird like, word. Gerrymandering. It's a pretty weird word. Yeah. <laughs> But that could totally influence other people, like, depending on, like, the economic status of where you live and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, like, they, like I was reading some article the other day of how many tobacco-related posters or billboards were put near public schools in the United States because it would mm-hmm. sell to a certain minority or a certain figure of citizens. Wow. And would address to them what they might want. Right. And so it's just, it's kind of fun. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that whole same thing, like, exactly what you're kind of just talking about, like, they may not have the opportunity from, like, the family where they are and, mm-hmm. like, kind of gang activity is the only option. And that is certainly, yeah. unfortunately, the case in a lot of places throughout the world is that that is the only way to survive. Like, you either are going to be hunted down or, like, looked down upon by a certain group right. of society or you're going to fucking take just it by the again. balls and stand up for yourself. Right. Exactly. But I don't know. I just think the violence portion of it is absolutely ridiculous. So you avoided that through your extra curric- like curriculars, like acting and stuff. Or how how it's did you? It's definitely kinda... how I went into it. I yeah. was very kind of like narrow-minded little white kid going yeah. into this like school where I was now the minority, and I loved that. And looking back at it, I love that. Yeah. But when I first went into it, I was definitely a little intimidated. Oh, I'm sure. And 
to do that. I, I stayed into like the theater programs and stuff like that. But then very quickly I became associated with people from all different statuses and mm. different types of living. And through that, I realized you really can't judge a book by its cover or mm-hmm. can't judge based off of what you've heard from your parents. Like mm-hmm. you have to experience it for yourself. And then from there, you can create an opinion. For sure. And I don't know. I see people from, I know people from very, like almost poverty stricken levels who have some of the most incredible stories, some of the highest education and will talk to you like one of the smartest people you've ever met. Mm. And I know some people from like where they've had everything handed to them. They've right. had a car at like 15 and a half. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they, they, the complete opposite. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's definitely interesting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest with you, like where I live in California is a very white dominant, like, pretty wealthy upper upper middle class area and it's strange because I look back at, at my high school experience and there definitely was a degree of like shared mixed culture that I, I didn't get but I'm really f- like thankful that I was able to travel and expand my horizons because you definitely can get sort of stuck in this bubble m- mindset and For sure. that skews you so but like I know so, like you say, I know so many kids who just have been, like you say, had handed literally everything since day one, haven't really had to to work. You know, daddy paid for all this, they paid for that, they got them into, maybe even got them into the school that they're into now. Like, there's something about experiencing other culture and experiencing other adversity as well, like challenge. Oh, sorry. That completely just molds you as a as a person and i i definitely won't lie about the fact that my mom has worked very hard to be at a point in her life where she can support me to the extent in which i have like vacation time like Mm -hmm. things that i want things that i definitely don't need but would enjoy and from that like seeing it from a person who works individually so hard to be able to put that out there like definitely in this portion of my life i see kind of like that drives me it drives me to want to work harder to support somebody else down the line or to support a family if that's the way I choose to go or to Mm. definitely support my mother like Mm. like but having that role model having that example in your life oh exactly of someone who yeah maybe they weren't given everything from the start and had to work their way up to where they are now and they've made it and they're Mm -hmm. continuing to make it but as uh, the exact same time i think what is a beautiful part of california is no no matter what circle you're in you're exposed to all everything yeah all of yeah like whether or not your parents listen to like classical opera yeah yeah. you're gonna hear hood rap yeah you're gonna hear some act (laughs) you're gonna hear like the most amazing spanish music on the streets you're gonna like smell all kinds of food you're gonna see all kinds of people like and just being like the bay area is a very rich place having like berkeley oakland san francisco and all the tech giants there san jose all the tech giants like people come from all across the world to come here to do something yeah absolutely you can see that in the film industry in los angeles the music industry in los angeles the art scene all across the state like the micro breweries that people pop up it's just it's so cool i know dude i need every time i go back to california you ever go to fish ranch I don't think I have. No, yeah. uh, it's like a lookout point. People go there to like smoke and like hook up. Is <laughs> it like kind of... Monterey area? Or? No, it's uh, it's really near Berkeley. It's like oh, okay. right before the tunnel, um, coming coming from like east to west, I guess. Yeah. Okay, no, I've definitely not been there. Um, I may have seen it though. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's just that you get a really cool view of 
the city, the bay, Oakland, everything. And every time I'm there with my friends and you just kind of take a minute and like take in the scene and just realize like how lucky you are to have grown up in a place as incredible as this. And like you say, where people literally will wait their entire life for the opportunity to come here and, yeah. and see it even, just to see the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah, well, the Bay Bridge. It's just, I, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And if I could afford to keep living in California, I would I would certainly try to, mm-hmm. but with like the Bay Area saying 118,000 US dollars is low income yeah. if you don't make that, like, <laughs> sorry, I don't think I'm gonna make that Dude, ever. <laughs> I know, crazy, crazy. And like, like the price of rent in California. Or oh like, man, if, yeah, if you're trying to live in like, Especially San Francisco. I'm sure even like Sacramento and places is probably still hard to live in. Oh, I bet it's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. the traffic is absurd. Yeah. Like in Vancouver and stuff, but <clears throat> because I don't have a car or anything, I take mm. the bus all the time. And you can see that get really crowded and whatnot. Yeah. But even with the amount of people we have in Vancouver and like how small the roads and the infrastructure was made for this population. Right. California is a completely different ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes you like if you don't leave at six o'clock you're gonna be there like oh my god an hour trying to leave the city yeah on a weekday like five four (laughs) i mean it means way worse than like la right it's crazy what 15 minutes can do like if you get from san jose to san francisco if you don't leave at a certain time you're gonna be caught in like two hours of traffic yeah if you leave 15 minutes earlier you'll be there 40 minutes earlier yeah yeah Yeah, it's ridiculous it's absolutely crazy have you you spent much time in la and like southern california so i haven't spent too much time in la i did a lot of my auditions for university in like the acting programs in LA Mm. so I did one little thing in San Francisco and then I flew down for a weekend for two days in LA and then all those kind of schools have a hub at a hotel so you kind of go from room to room to audition for different universities Mm. and then for Canada I had to fly to York University in Toronto and then here in Vancouver Oh, wow. So you had to audition at the universities themselves? Only for the Canadian schools. Ah, In the U.S., they kind of pull them all together. Gotcha. But they were in completely different times, too. Like, my auditions for the U.S. schools were later in the spring, and my auditions for Mm. these schools are kind of, like, early February, mid-February, I think. Hmm. Did the auditions, like, vary? In Canada... You audition in front of each other. So anybody else who's auditioning for your spot in that program is watching you while you do that audition. And in California or in the States, it's just you and then the person auditioning you. So. Does that, like, alter your performance at all, do you think, or no? It definitely boosted it, if yeah? I can say so. Yeah, interesting. Because when you perform like that, and especially when you do monologue work, so it's just the person talking to the audience or talking to themselves on stage. Right. Not having an audience is potentially Tough. really weird. But yeah. when you have someone watching you for a specific reason or to, like, see what happens, that always gives you that little bit of an energy boost. To, mm. Wow. Nice. Like, okay. Yeah, that makes this. complete like, sense. I want to show you this. Yeah. Like, I want to show you yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that added incentive of, like, I got to impress these people. <laughs> yeah. And there's always nerves for it. Like, even to date, I get nervous before doing oh, sure. shows or monologues or even little snippets in class. But... It's also that fun you get to have. Yeah. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Right. What's really the worst? Yeah. Like, am I going to die? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even if I did, like, so what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, no, the art, I love, I absolutely adore it. That's awesome. So do you think after university you'll stay around Canada or what, what are you Ooh, planning? That's a good one. So I'm very lucky to be a dual citizen. Mm-hmm. So U.S., Canada. 
I don't know. Yeah. I love Toronto, but it's okay. an absolute crazy house out there. Is it? I've never been to Toronto. It's just so or Toronto. It's like Los Angeles. <laughs> you got to say Toronto. 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 I got to say it like a redneck. <laughs> you never been to Toronto. I didn't know that. Like you didn't pronounce, you don't pronounce the T's. You don't? No, apparently it's just <laughs> I Toronto. I just said that out of the microphone. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Toronto. You don't, oh, you, you pronounce the first one, not the second one. Toronto. If you're really, if you're a real hip Canadian. Oh, that's funny because my dad lives in Boise, Idaho, and if they they can tell the difference because if you're not from there, you'll say Boise, and if you're Boy. from there, it's Boise. It's oh, like, Boise what? instead of I mean, Boise. No one needs to know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah, right. Just little things so we can identify foreigners. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's funny. But it's even funny, like visiting my dad in Idaho back when I was more relevant. Like, there's a huge vibrant art scene out there, and that's yeah. a little desert. Like, more vibrant now. It's definitely a city, and they got a big university and mm-hmm. stuff. But to me, compared to everywhere else I've been, it's a little desert town. Yeah, yeah. Surrounded on all five sides. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, up, down, to the side. It's all sand. Is it really? It's, it's kind of like I don't think desert. I've ever been to Boise. They're famous for potatoes. So yeah, yeah. So you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to, actually, a really cool national park there once. It's oh. I think it's called, like, Craters of the Moon. And mm. I think it was volcanic. It's all volcanic. And there's all these like cave systems and like all volcanic rock, very sharp. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really interesting. That, I think that was the only time I've been to Idaho. I don't hate. I just think it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel it. Uh, maybe a little salty. <laughs> I don't hate. I don't hate. <laughs> oh, that's oh, cool. That's have you been to uh, like? Have you seen a lot of the U.S. outside of California? Ooh. I've been to a couple states. I haven't been like visiting a lot of them but i've mm. been to like portland a couple of times i've been to seattle once which was beautiful stick into that west coast Yo. <laughs> i see you <laughs> leave that cold weather west up. coast east side baby <laughs> <laughs> i've been to new york a couple times because my dad's got siblings out there nice uh, i've been to texas once i've been to florida twice like stuff like that i've been to rhode island you got a good sort of smattering of places yeah yeah but I've been to more European countries than I have states. Oh, yeah? yeah. When you are in France, did you travel quite I a bit? I did. I was a very, I took up the opportunity to become an American Boy Scout when I was in oh, France. Oh, nice. So I, through that, I like got very close to Eagle Scout. Really? But by doing that, I did different programs in Switzerland. I went to Belgium, Luxembourg. Wow. Like all kinds of stuff. What and kind of thing? Like camping? and. So when I went to Switzerland, I did a two-week excursion. And it was kind of like where all international troops come together at this park. And they kind of put on this huge Boy Scout thing where, like, the merit badges are the things that you don't have. You can go check them off mm. and then do incredible hikes, incredible learning. Like, so I learned how to, like, weave baskets and nice. tie different kinds of knots and how to survive in the woods for a bit because you were literally pushed into that. That's awesome. But, I don't know, it was very cool. Do you, you still remember those, like, survival skills? Like, I if you were just kind of dropped in the wilderness and... BC, I, could okay. you figure it out? <laughs> in BC, probably not, because I'm a little bitch, and it gets, <laughs> it gets real cold and wet here. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But, like, if it was, like, the summertime in, like, the woods of California, I'm sure I could stick it out for a bit. Yeah. But, like, it really depends. And a lot of that, a lot of it is stuck because of just how serious I took it. What like, kind of stuff? Is it, like, foraging and, like... Foraging, like, how to make, like, a fishing pole or spear out of, like, sticks. Like can how you do fire? I, I don't think I could do that. I've uh. definitely done it with, like, the Flintstones before. Oh, yeah? We've had fun with uh-huh. that. But, like, it's more, like, kind of like the respect of nature. Leave it better than you found right. it. Right, like, yeah. Enjoy yeah. Leave no trace. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Leave no trace. Yeah. And it was m- more of, like, a bonding situation. And I definitely took it up because of, like, the lack of 
fatherly kind of input mm. at that time when I moved to France. Mm. And, like, I was, had very few friends when I moved out there. So it was kind of just an opportunity to socialize. And Did you meet something. some cool people? I met some cool people. Yeah. I remember we got to go to the International Brussels Space Shuttle Launch Station. Wow. So we spent four days in the actual station where they trained people to become astronauts for Belgium. Wow, that's sick. And it was so cool. I got to sit on that little, like, spinny thing. Oh, like, shit. The, like, centrifuge. Seven Gs or something. No way. Tapped, they didn't turn it on though. They did turn it on. Oh what? But they we only got to do it until like three Gs. It was very okay. very small. You just felt like the force against your face, but it wasn't. That's cool. Like you could feel like your face ripple a little bit, but yeah. it wasn't like oh I'm gonna stop breathing. <laughs> yeah. All <laughs> oh, the blood is like pulling to the back of my skull. Exactly. <laughs> that's, it, was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. Uh, I didn't do Boy Scouts. I did Cub Scouts. Okay. And it was not. <laughs> the best experience. I think my mom was my my leader, my scout leader, and uh, one of her friends. And it just like, yeah, it just wasn't very organized. I really wish I'd kind of stuck with it though, because Boy Scouts you got to do so much cool shit, like archery, Absolutely. shooting guns. Like I shot a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Especially being a part of France, like I got to do a very cool like multiple times with having the U.S. cemeteries in Normandy, France, from World mm, War Two D Day. I was able to go restore some of the headstones. I was able to wow. clear a path. I was able to clean some of the mud out. We found a med kit from World War II in the dirt. Wow. Like, it was this absolutely phenomenal kind of the history and the experience, also through a, like, multicultural lens, because it was clearly tied to the U.S. Boy Scouts, but we're living in Europe. We right. can't really associate it so heavily. Yeah. That's just, insane. Really That's very, really cool. Dude, apparently there's, like tons of unexploded uh like mines and artillery oh, terrifying yeah you, you like you can't go metal detecting in like 90 percent of europe yeah right like I, i've seen there's like a, si- a, a portion of land the size of like stunt i don't know which american state like a pretty decent sized american state that is just like cordoned off because there's literally so much unexploded ordnance there that you could die <laughs> if you were just walking around like they bombed that place to shit. To like, shit. to shit. Like, it, I can't imagine what that must have been like. Like, that wasn't very long ago. World War One, World War Two. Not long. Not at long all. ago at all. In the, yeah, in the relative scheme of things, like, dude, just absolutely crazy, insane. You ever see some of those videos? Or like, even the colored or black and white ones where those bombing doors open and it literally looks like thousands yeah, and just thousands <laughs> of like tic tacs are falling. Yeah, out. and you can crazy. tell like, that each one of those is an explosion. It is an explosion. Yeah, yeah. Like, my grandpa was on a boat. I'm not sure where he was on D-Day, but his boat got hit by a dud. So What's just, a dud? Oh, like a, like a, a giant warhead sticking explode. in the middle of the boat that didn't explode. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That would change you, I think. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, You'd be like, I'm being spared for something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm beating like, my dad up. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, oh my gosh, what? That's wow. crazy. That's just insane. And then, like, didn't didn't the U.S. drop, like, nuclear weapons in North Carolina accidentally? Did they? And they just very fortunately didn't go off? No, I'm oh, really? really sure. In, like, 1958, I think. I could be wrong. Don't <laughs> don't fact check me. But I do know the U.S. dropped nuclear weapons in the United States. And wow. they just didn't explode. And they just got lucky. I guess the pin or something wasn't in. I don't even know. That's I don't even know if there is a pin in a nuclear weapon. There is something like that. We've had really close calls with nukes, like oh, really imagine. close. I remember there's an amazing Radio Lab podcast. That's another one you should check out Sweet. if you're uh, getting into podcasts. It's like more produced. It's more like uh, I think NPR does it, okay. um, but it's really well done. Like in-depth reporting, science, art, like a bunch of stuff. But they go in depth on the story of a, um, 
a nuclear accident where I think someone dropped a wrench and it busted into the side of the nuke and was spraying fuel everywhere, like really, really volatile fuel. And they were basically just like waiting for it to explode. Like they had to, they had to leave and, and evacuate everyone. And I think it did explode, but it didn't actually detonate the nuke okay. somehow. Like That's somehow, yeah. But like just that, just some some mechanic dropping a wrench. That 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 guy got fired for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Can you imagine though? Oh. Like we were even talking earlier about all the nuclear weapons dropped in Nevada. Yeah. Like that's insane. The like, testing that people, happened. Like no matter where you live in that state, I wouldn't feel safe. No, Especially right? If they feel like that stuff like goes to the atmosphere. Yeah, and it's been irradiating the, the ground like this entire like, time. What? Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Dude, I'm uh, I'm gonna take a like little break just to save this because I've uh, experienced technical difficulty before where this shit just crashes. That sounds great. I'll yeah. go pee. Yeah, I need to pee too. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be, be back. back after this pee break. <laughs> and we're back. Pee break is over. Pee break over. Was I, it a success? I, it was. Can you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> that high five was that. success. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. No, I think this is awesome. Thank you again so much for bringing me on. Of here. course, my friend. Of course. Anytime. So which, which, let's jump to something completely new. Let's change okay. gears. Okay. Uh, you got you anything on your mind? I don't have anything too specific on my mind. We no? could totally go with like a current issue or something and then ramble and drag it back to yeah. the arts or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Just, I do you pay attention? Do you, do you follow the news? Like are you someone who like reads news every day? I read the news every day. Yeah? What kind of news? But I will be completely honest with you. I shut out U.S. news. Oh, yeah? Like, like politics. I Advid, like I go out of my way to not read about Trump. I go mm-hmm. out of my way to not read about that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a huge like population to be like, you need to educate yourself so you know what to do to stand up. No, right. I, I voted. I did my thing. Like I know what's wrong. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure there's more I could know, of course. I get it's you. Just, it's draining, right? It's draining. Yeah. And it doesn't impede. Like, of course it impedes and affects my life as a U.S. citizen, even though I don't live in the U.S. It's just... If you hold on to that and you keep what he's doing, because he's doing everything wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing everything wrong. So if you take the time out of your day every day to associate with like what he's doing wrong and what needs to be different, you're just going to keep yourself in this mental block. Yeah. If you think there's something wrong, do something about it. Like, And that's kind of like like if, like with the stuff, like his ideas are racism and shit. Like, it's just like, no, I won't read about stuff like that. I'll yeah. just go out of my way and try to promote like a safe space for everyone in my day. Like, Yeah, it's easy to get bogged down. I I read, I pay attention to the news and I read like BBC just homepage and I go on Reddit and I listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> like, Joe Rogan's the best. That's pretty much my news. He's the best. Yeah, that's pretty much my news. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. It, it can get kind of like disen- you can get disenchanted with it very quickly cuz also you know what i've i've come to terms with is like this news cycle he does something crazy everyone talks about it everyone tweets about it and then 3 days later he does something crazy uh and then everyone's like oh look at this and everyone forgets about the other crazy shit he just did and then the fbi puts in a little usb key and then throws that usb key in a drawer and locks that drawer <laughs> and puts that drawer in a room no one will have access to it's just like what like how many articles have they read like he like embezzled 
over a hundred million dollars or some shit. Has he been, pro- like, yeah, been proven? There was a whole thing about it, and forty exactly like you're saying. Forty eight hours later, there was no court case, no nothing. It's just because he's like he does so much crazy shit. It's it's hard for us to keep up. It's really hard for us to keep. Like it shouldn't he be tweets, that hard. It bro, should he be tweets. The, it should be the first one and be like, this bitch should be impeached. Right. Like yeah. Like yeah. what was it? Like I know as California's residents, I'm sure during our like graduating year, everyone was like, there's no way this is gonna happen. Oh yeah. Dude, do you remember I that? I remember that. Yeah, everyone was like, well, I think everyone was also complacent. They were like, look at this guy. Like, it, it was funny. It was like this spectacle. It was like Donald Trump is running for president. <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, he's not going to win. There's no way he's going to win. I actually lost a bet with my roommate. <laughs> I lost a lot. Did you? <laughs> I'll just put it that way. I do you like to bet? Are you a betting man? I'm not a huge better. I definitely enjoy a good gamble every once in a while. Yeah. Because it's just fun. Like but on like, what? On political like, uh, races? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nothing like that. But like, I've definitely, like, I made a bet with someone, like, with the whole North Korea scandal that I thought, like, for sure we were going to go nuke them or do something. Yeah. Like, not necessarily a nuke, but, but like, because I heard all about these, like, military trainings. Like, people were shipped to Japan to keep naval bases, like, mm. armed and ready and all this kind of stuff. South Korea was running drills out the ass. Yeah. I just, like, was like, from what I know, there's no way we're not going to go do something. And then I lost, but. Mm. And then, right, and then that's kind of died down now. Yeah. It's like, like, like you say, two, three months ago, everyone was like, oh, shit, we're going to go to war with North Korea. <laughs> like, <laughs> Trump is, like, <laughs> going to literally launch a nuke. Now what? Are watching Nickelodeon together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, I love Kim Jong Un. Like, He's the man. He's North, the best. North Korea's had the Globetrotters come over like five yeah, times yeah. now or some <laughs> shit. Like, I think they're homies, bro. <laughs> oh man, I'm sure Trump is best friends with Kim Jong Un. Probably. I and, mean, and I think Putin. he's. I think Trump is just this outrageous, like narcissistic character that he's kind of like flying by the seat of his pants. I don't think he actually. I don't know if he's necessarily dumb. Okay, I'm not fully grounded on his background, but I really feel like he is a smart businessman to mm-hmm. a certain extent. To a certain extent, because mm-hmm. he came from like the real estate, where like selling. Big I mean, his dad was very wealthy. Yeah, his dad yeah. was very wealthy, and he made for sure a name for himself yeah. with like his dad's money at the start. But mm-hmm. he did like all kinds of corporate building sales, mm-hmm. hotel sales, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is a game in in itself that is very competitive. It has a very shark attitude, sure, and all kinds of stuff. And he's made comments about like Virgin Airlines, and in the eighties. He's made comments about running for president and stuff that he's already contradicted. But yeah, it was just funny. Exactly what you're saying. But he, he goes into the presidency with my eye, like my mindset that he's just another big game real estate. Right. Seller. Yeah. Yeah. He is this like very high. I think he has a very high opinion of himself. Oh, I think he thinks oh, he's sure. very, very smart for and like sure. smarter than like all of his advisors and everything. Nobody's better than Putin. <laughs> Dude, Putin is a different story. It's a different story. Yeah. Like a real life super villain that you actually kind of want to get to know. Yeah, right? And like something intriguing about him. Like you see all these pictures of him shirtless on horses and like he was in the KGB for fucking 15 years and not definitely killed people like 100%. And now he's literally this dictator of Russia. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's crazy. It's kind of, yeah, it is. It is crazy. And he basically wants to reconstitute the, like, former Soviet Union. Did you ever hear that quote of, like, his ideas about using uh, Russian-based weapons and, like, soldiers to go fight in the Middle East? No. This is one of my favorite Putin quotes. (laughs) (laughs) He said something along the lines where it's not my, it's not up to me to judge the people who join ISIS or join, like, Al-Qaeda. Hmm. 
it's up to God to judge them. Mm-hmm. But I'll send them to him. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that is intense. That, that's Putin in a in, in a nutshell. nutshell, right there. Yeah, that is intense. Yeah. I just I love that. Quote. Apparently, he's quite popular though. Oh, I think, like yeah, very popular. I think the Russians love. Him. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess he's. I mean, for a lot of life, or a lot of the most recent history, like Soviet Union and Russia, has not been the best place to live. Right, like mo- not most opportunistic place to be. But now, I guess, I don't know how like, the current economic state is, but better than in previous years, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, like, I guess people, they recognize that as, like, an improvement on the past and kind of, I, I can understand, like, the psychology behind his support. Like, his support. But, like, the engineering, the art oh. and the history to come out of Russia is incredible absolutely like, the world does not give it enough credit i don't think mm-hmm. like even right now in the acting program we're doing Chekhov, anton Chekhov, mm-hmm. work, which is a russian playwright when his work has been translated into english after many many years so mm-hmm. it's, it's relatively close but it's just it's so incredible like, yeah that all focuses around realism and the art of reaction and hmm. like when a character is sad in reality people try so hard to cover that up Mm-hmm. So on stage, you're not seeing someone who will cry. You'll see someone who's fighting tears. Mm. And it's just, I think that is so powerful. Interesting. And I don't know. I think all kinds of things. The Russians and their military technology is absurd and mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, and what they, I mean, they kind of, <laughs> they were meddling in some some elections when <laughs> like not that long ago too, right? Like all this stuff that's coming out about these Russian bots and, and these troll farms, like, Literally, you have these coordinated efforts of people, like, they they foment, like, disagreement and dissent on Twitter. Just, like, Twitter Twitter arguments, and then they, they'll post something very, very left-wing, and they'll post something very, very right-wing, and they'll, like, they'll egg each other, they'll egg people on that, you know, they want to start a fight, they want to... They want to start this this stupid partisan like Russia anger. doesn't care who gets involved because no matter what happens, I'm sure one way or another they make money off of it. Yeah, well, they just want to spread disinformation and they want to like create as much chaos as possible, right? So the U.S. can has to deal with it, and I think they see that as like a way to kind of establish themselves as. A superpower. I mean, they are a superpower, oh, but absolutely. above the U.S. You like, can even boil that down to like military technology. Like in 1949, when they came out with the Kalashnikov AK-47, mm. that is still to date one of the most commonly found automatic firing assault rifles. Right? Isn't that like they say you could bury that in the ground for ten years and like and bury, pull, it back pull it up, up and it'll even, fire? Even if you pull the pieces apart on that, you don't have to take the receiver stock off. So what is that? It's just like, you know, like if you're, uh, I mean, I can't really explain this through words too well, but like that part where you pull it to check the chamber mm, okay. and see if there's a bullet in the exact chamber, mm-hmm. you don't have to take that pull part out. You just take the top metal case and a couple springs and some stuff out mm. where compared to like the U.S. standard for the first assault rifle, the M16, you had to take like the full gas line out, like mm. all different mini pieces. It's just more intelligently it's, designed. It's, I mean, depends, but yeah. Interesting. I mean, there's people that argue that the m16 is better designed and yeah stuff, but i think a 762 round is going to do a whole lot more than a 556 have you uh like have you fired a lot of guns in your time so i when i lived in france my stepdad had an apartment in normandy mm-hmm. in like bernay kind of area okay and there was a very cool shooting range that he brought me to when i was little so i did a part of the boy scouts i did like pellet gun shooting and stuff there mm-hmm. i even have like an article in a newspaper they wrote about our mm. troop and stuff cool 
but from there I got to do more like long distance rifle shooting starting with like 22s and then I forgot what the gun was some like weird French single bolt action rifle big ass bullet hmm. and that would be like 300 meters out and then when I came Damn, back to the 300 States, meters that's a long or yeah no 300 meters wow 300 meters, yeah. that's crazy yeah, like it was like since 750 feet, 850 feet. Wow, it was crazy. Fun. Have you ever hunted? I've never hunted. No. no. Would you want to? No. 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 Why not? I don't want to take a life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I like, cause there's a there's a skill, there's a almost art form to long distance shooting and stuff, mm. cause it is a tool, it is a part of your body, and when you're trained in like the military and stuff, it is an extension of you. It's not a right. tool, even though it is, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> But, I don't know, you have to look at it differently. Like, when you look down the iron sights or you look into that scope, that is a further of your own personal mm-hmm. vision. That bullet is not necessarily, like, obviously a limb. But when you're looking at it, it's kind of like, Itch. imagine, like, a long-distance punch. Like, mm. go-go gadget. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you just kind of yeah. have to imagine, like, your, your input. This is what you're doing. This is a part of me. This is my cognitive representation. I'm going to take action. Bam. Yeah, I've only really ever shot a pistol. Okay. And then, like, just I think two or three times I've been to the range. There's a have you heard of the short the store named Gun Fishing Guns Fishing and other stuff? <laughs> it's a great store. Uh, it's like an REI for like like redneck REI. Gotcha. <laughs> like oh, so Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, that's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a bench, essentially just a knockoff Bass Pro Shop, but um. Yeah, I've only shot a pistol, but what I was, that was actually a really, I think another important lesson, like shooting a gun. I've only, I mean, I'd only seen them on TV and I'd like, you know, see them with cops and stuff. And like, you have this very abstract idea of what that is, you know, and then you feel it in your hand and like you're given that quick tutorial on how to, to handle it and how to reload it. And it is really simple, honestly, like it's absurdly simple, like how easy it is to operate, but at the same time, you feel the the weight of it in your hand and the kickback and the noise. Like, the sound was something that really surprised Like, I didn't know how loud a fucking gun was. <laughs> like, it's real loud. It's real fucking loud, it's yeah. It's real loud. Yeah, and just a small little thing, but how much power it has behind it. And, oh, man, I, uh, it's, it was a, yeah, it was an important moment, I think, just to, oh, for sure. just to realize what that actually was, like, uh, a reality so. check, you know? Like, I don't know. And then it goes into a huge debate of like revoking assault rifles or weapons from the civilians in the United mm. States. Like, oh, we have the right to bear arms back in the day when it was like a marble stuck right. down a steel yeah, rod. Yeah, it took, that you, took you a minute to reload. To reload. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> not like a yeah. LMG machine gun that you could attach to a helicopter and yeah. fucking mow down. Mow down. Or like the shit that happened in Vegas at that country concert. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is like, what? Yeah, the, uh, there's a line to be drawn. I and think, then, I think, uh, again, it it goes back to the fact that they are so they're ubiquitous. Like, I think there are more guns in the U.S. than there are people. In oh, the US, I, I totally believe that. Which is that's terrifying. Like, yeah. we're never gonna get rid of them. Like, how are you gonna how are you gonna rein that all of those in? Trump know? revoked the need to have a check for mentally ill. Why could, would you do that? What good could that ever? What good could that start? ever do? Yeah. He's, just, he's trying to poke holes and fucking fuck us up. That's so strange. It's like, like, does he have any rationale? Ah, uh, the people want it. Uh, the people are great, and I'm great, and uh, go America. Uh, uh, <laughs> Can you do a Trump? I'm really bad at a Trump impression. I can't really do it very well. 
I want to hear uh, you, and then I'll try it. Uh, wait. Let me let me try and channel him. Hang on. I'm trying to think. Tremendous. This is just absolutely tremendous. Uh, I'm I'm an American president. I'm the best president there's ever been. Uh, I <laughs> I don't know. I can't really do it. It's gonna be huge. Oh, that's good. We're gonna build a wall, okay? <laughs> Mexico's gonna pay for it. We're gonna build a wall. It's gonna be huge. China, Tremendous. China, <laughs> China. <laughs> That's nah, good, I dude. I, I like it. I, I hate that man. <laughs> it's like a troll doll that grew up. Absolutely, he is a troll doll. I mean, he's rid- he's just a ridiculous human being. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's another bet I lost. I had in less than three months of his presidency, that man will be assassinated. Oh shit! FBI, please don't come after me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't imagine it if they took John F. Kennedy out from a parking garage like three quarters of a mile away. Mm. I'm pretty sure someone with a toothpick could do some damage to Trump. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm wrong. It's all fun and games. Well, what's crazy is, I mean, I'm sure there have been a lot of attempts on his life. We just don't hear about it like i would think it's got to be i would much rather read about that yeah <laughs> that's some news you'd pay attention <laughs> that's to. that's a lot of news i'd pay attention to You're like this is where you went wrong Heard oh. a seminar to teach people the proper way to take out <laughs> this is how you take out an orange president oh man yeah yikes we live in interesting times caleb oh well, yeah well, no the absolutely. most i think the most interesting that's ever oh it's been. gonna be incredible yeah like when they write about stuff that we live through like the legalization of marijuana yeah dude we live in a place where it's federally legal to use federally cannabis legal. that's it's awesome absolutely incredible yeah it is it's a, it's a sh- i think it's a step forward for oh for humanity sure. i mean there's definitely other things that canada may have before that but sure, <laughs> whatever sure. i mean for the people by the people and yeah. it makes a lot of tax revenue for canada and so much. thankfully something i've easily noticed here compared to the states is that infrastructure gets dealt with quickly yeah. mm-hmm. like if there's a pothole that needs fixing a street light that needs redoing mm. they they did it mm-hmm. and we're gonna get on it mm-hmm. and it's all taken care of but i mean i mean then, yeah. then again i could rant about the medical system here and how long it's taken to help me get my back fixed mm. up so You've had trouble with that? I've been to ER twice, urgent care twice, and to student services once, all for the same issue. And more than a couple times, I've had a doctor say, oh, you have minor range in motion in your leg, so you should be able to walk when I was wheelchaired in to their office Mm. because I have a slip disc in my spine. I literally can't sleep some nights because, like, my whole left side of my body cramps up and I have nerve pain. So it's just fucking hell. It's pretty insane to have a doctor. What was the original injury? So two years ago now, almost like not this summer, but the summer before it, I missed a step carrying a really heavy box for my mom and my back just completely went sideways to the left. And I woke up the next day, like my ribs was like three, six inches to the right. And my waist was like seven inches to the other side. So I looked, I looked demented like you put the lego man like on halfway (laughs) like literally like he got one peg of his leg into one peg of his body and then the other pegs just to the side oh my gosh it was crazy but now i went to a chiropractor they fixed that up after like 14 sessions and then i was chilling i went to a full year of acting classes Mm -hmm. i felt real good i think it was like the shock of like being active for so long every day all day okay to then going into the summer where i just turned into a slug potato i was a potato <laughs> <laughs> like if it wasn't about making beats or drawing or smoking pot i wasn't uh, yeah i wasn't I wasn't about it. it yeah and so i just woke up sat down and that was my day and so one day i woke up and i couldn't get out of bed 
Whoa. Yeah. And really? I, and I saw it instantly. I wasn't super bent, but I was bent. And then like a couple of days later, I was even more bent and then just got worse and worse. And then since I didn't have health insurance in California, because now that I live here in Canada, mm. I've switched programs. Right. And then I had to wait to get an MRI. And then I had a recommendation for an MRI. And the Canadians were like, no MRI. And then I was like, why? You didn't get an MRI? No. Only supposedly. This is a quote, a slightly misrepresented quote. But supposedly the only people that get MRIs or x-rays for that kind of dealio are in line for surgery. Huh. So you would have had to be like on the on the list for some I, kind I of I guess I had to be on like spinal death, surgery death row or deathbed yeah. wow yeah but I've had a lot of family friends who are Canadian raised born and raised citizens tell me that there's a huge age discrepancy in the healthcare system here hmm in what so in like what respect? adults get taken seriously young adults don't oh wow interesting they they sort of prioritize older people I mean that's one way to look at it I think it's just the belief system because hmm. I definitely know in like California, like people abuse the medical system for like painkillers and codeine syrup and mm. all kinds of things. So, right. Like, I don't think that's as relevant of an issue here in Canada, especially with the population being so drastically smaller. But right. Yeah. Isn't the population of California like equal to Canada? I, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I think I've that's heard crazy. That. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely absurd. <laughs> oh, man. And we, yeah. Yeah. There is something about, I think there's something to that and how. You know, Canada has this reputation of Canadians being just like 10% nicer than Americans. I think that has something to do with just population density and like being in a place where there aren't 300 million people. I don't know. I think that plays into our psychology. I'm in sure some that way. could play a bit, but yeah. Vancouver's populated. That's true. It is pretty dense. dense and there's big cities in Canada. Like you can't go anywhere in this city without running into a good hundred other people getting yeah, there. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But that's also kind of like a really fun factor. I think Vancouver's beautiful in the fact that it's got that huge city vibe mm-hmm. at your fingertips whenever you want it. Mm-hmm. But it's also got that small neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. You can like turn a corner and be in someone's little neighborhood. Yeah, I think yeah. That's incredible. And then if you want, you could go into the mountains or the forest and just be be by yourself absolutely. completely. You know. And the fact that Canada, I mean, this is totally switching gears a little bit, but Canada requires that forty percent of streaming services represent Canadian-made art. Hmm. Interesting. And so, like, I think living here, it's really cool to, like, watch Netflix and stuff because 40% of it has to be made in Canada huh. and stuff like that. So wow. it's, it's very supportive of its own people, and you can see that. Wow. Interesting. There's a pretty big, um, like, film scene here, right? Oh, it's here. absolutely absurd. Yeah. Have you seen how many times their campus Yeah, dude, there's always sold? film. They're always filming shit here. Yeah, our campus cares more about, like major film sets than our own program yeah but i mean they probably pay a lot of money to, to oh, be I'm able sure to use it millions yeah i'm sure that's a huge portion of our yeah. funding and real estate that too yeah of course yeah so you, that, is that a potential uh, area where you would like you could stick around here maybe oh, if you i would love to stick around here if yeah. i could yeah yeah no, if you want like if it was my direct three correlations with after university it would be like continue acting mm-hmm. potentially try to join like a modeling agency or some kind mm. And then work on, like, my tattooing and drawing kind nice. of stuff. Like, awesome. I really want to get into that. Tattooing is pretty recent, right? Or? It's a pretty recent one. Like, okay. I've always had it in the back of my head. But mm-hmm. the more and more research I've done into it and, like, why people seem to get into it just seems to always suit what I'm thinking. Like, a little extra cash, a right. huge way of expressing yourself as an artist, a yeah. huge way of continuing to learn how to adapt and become better at art and stuff like that definitely how are you practicing do you have to actually like use 
skin or uh, so i've i've used a piece of pig once with okay. like the pig tissue and stuff uh-huh. like that and tattooed that once i've done like on fruits and vegetables a couple times uh, okay. I've, I've done on myself before <laughs> nice. so it's it's all fun and games but i feel like i wouldn't jump into like doing yeah. super complicated things no. and even what i draw is not complicated at all almost it's mm-hmm. just some style that i've worked with for so long now that i've kind of gotten it down to a right like very specific idea of what I want. Very smooth, basic lines, very basic faces, very basic objects in the background. Mm-hmm. So we'll just try to keep something like that. That's awesome. Very cool. Because, it ta- yeah, it takes a lot of practice, right? To oh. actually be able to, you oh, know. To become an apprentice tattoo artist and stuff like that. Yeah. You need, like, 1,500 hours or something. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's something I wrote. I'd like to go down. But yeah. it's always in the background. Because, like, like, when you think about it as an actor... It's like you're not always going to be working on something. No. And you hear a lot of stories of people like, oh, I'm an actor who pays the bills by bartending. Yeah, or like, yeah. Wait, being Mo- a waiter or yeah, something Yeah, like yeah, that. for sure. And that's definitely something I'd be interested in getting into or like finding a side career to also self-focus on. Right. But the more I think about doing stuff like that, I'd love to be more self-branded. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have, that's exactly why I like to dabble in making beats and writing poetry and drawing and acting. It's like all these little fields, I feel like I have my own little access of creative outlet. Absolutely. I, just, I love to explore that. Whether or not anything happens with it, it's just fun to explore. Yeah. But the more and more I do it and the more and more I realize of what other companies or other people do to sell themselves and stuff, it's not like I'm trying to sell out. But if there's an opportunity to do something with it, why not? Yeah, 100%. And it, that's an incredible thing to be able to kind of be in in charge of your own sort of desk, like future. You yeah. know what I mean? Like oh, that's absolutely. all coming from your mind, which yeah. is that's like a really cool. I mean, if you can translate that into making a living, that's incredible. Oh, it, you would, know? it would just like such a humbling experience being able to support yourself based <laughs> off of purely exactly what you yeah. do and want to that's do. That's the goal, right? I think that's the American dream Absolutely. that everyone wants to obtain at one point. The Canadian dream. A Canadian dream. <laughs> I think it's just more like the, oh, I totally just blanked on the word. Is I wanted to specify. But never, never mind. Let's <laughs> scratch that. Okay. I was just going to be like, it's like the global citizen dream or something like that. Mm, for sure. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. Everyone wants to be able to do what they want to make yeah. themselves happy and support themselves. Definitely. It's, it's, it's interesting. Do you think we'll, do you think we're entering a world where that will be more of the case? Like as things get further and further automated, which is happening, right? Like, uh, like automated cars are 20, 20 years away. If you ask experts, that's like a conservative estimate. I think depends where you were born Mm. and unfortunately like unfortunately it has to be that way but i think if you're in like one of the top economic booming countries then yes maybe you'll have a stronger opportunity to focus purely on what you want yeah but at the same time there's so much of the world that is put into absolutely stricken poverty based on the needs that other countries right ask them like exploitation exploitations like the amount of like like uh factory like just yeah, like the, yeah like building of like u.s goods like there's places in china that are like s- malls that are seven miles long <laughs> that you can go visit and they hold all chinese made goods and you can look at anything from wedding ornaments to christmas ornaments That's to scary. halloween decorations to yeah. like signs that talk about confederate flags and stuff. Like, if it's <laughs> made everything. in china there's a mall that can find all of it and so like 
and I know that's a drastic side step, but like there's countries that make all of our goods, and when you realize that at one point you're not necessarily contributing to your own usage, mm-hmm. yeah, then you're gonna fall out a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that highlights like a pretty big, like I mean, a massive potential problem. Like, what what if we automate ourselves, or we or we automate all those people in the developing countries that really rely on like that manufacturing industry what if we automate all those jobs and then there's no opportunity in those countries and like that would just cause like honestly just a complete breakdown probably of society in those places like i completely agree especially a lot of times those countries don't have the most stable governments and corruption is rampant like that could lead to some pretty intense changes i just can't help but picture like that famous pixar movie wally mm. like mm-hmm. if you automate everything then what's a person gonna do to right are we gonna drive themselves yeah are we gonna be those fat blobs that just go around in those like hovering chairs and just drink all like nutrition shake oh goodness <laughs> i think that's I, I think it's a very real it's a possibility, possibility. yeah yeah i don't know i think it really depends on like the society and like the individual themselves like because there's a lot of very driven people that are like i want to go spend a certain amount of time in nature i want to go visit these other countries i find this a passion because it helps other people or it helps me like it's different things absolutely so they find a way to get involved that not only supports themselves but supports the community in which they involve themselves definitely and so i think if you automate a whole bunch of that then you're going to lose the drive to educate yourself you're going to lose the drive to work towards something if it's not given to you why mm. if it's not given to me why do i want to work for it like right kind of stuff like that and it just starts out very small scale yeah yeah like, i think that's really interesting you bring up like wally and because a lot of our i think a lot of our um motivation to change the world we live in now comes from watching films and tv and plays and seeing art that portrays our potential futures like just take take black mirror for an instance love that show great show and like pretty much everybody our age i think has seen that and that's a heavy heavy show like that content that that touches is intense because it's so such a close parallel to potential future you could see humanity going towards right and absolutely i just i just think it's that's a, one of the most important functions of art, it seems like, is to sort of direct humanity. Hey, look, this is a potential, like, where we're going. This is literally, like, very easily attainable in the next 50 years. Do you want to go this way? Like, do you, you, you do want this to happen? <laughs> no? It's Turn like, around. <laughs> Change course. It's awesome that you said that, because exactly. Theater definitely points parts of society or picks problems or obstacles and shoves them down the throats of an audience member. A hundred percent. Like there's situations in which like a person like, Oh, I can't pick one specifically right now, but like there's absolutely situations in which they'll address like societal issues or cultural issues on stage and make an audience member be like, is that really okay? Is that happening? Yeah. 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 And then they'll have to change it or not change it. But then it's like something you may not even think about, but until you see it happen. So that forced confrontation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Forced message of some kind. Yeah. That's like, yeah, again, like the point of art, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Or one of the points. One of the points. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Just something I never really thought about. With Black Mirror, I always find it interesting because I hear a lot of people saying the future could be like that. The future could be like that. Mm. But is Black Mirror really that futuristic? I always I always get the sense that Black Mirror is just a different portion of timeline Mm. representing what we already do. 
Mm. I I see. I think it's it seems to me like it's twenty thirty years in the future, but okay. very similar like social structure and everything. Like not much has really changed drastically, yeah. which is kind of realistic. Like if you if you kind of no, follow sure. it to a logical conclusion. I, like I get the sense from Black Mirror, and maybe this is different for you, but like Black Mirror is set in a futuristic setting mm-hmm. in which they can very easily showcase different things that seem that seem to harm society or seem mm. to harm the characters in this show, but it's doing that in order to catch the things we already do now. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. Like that whole episode. It's a black mirror, right? It's, like, <laughs> it's this reflection of who we are now and the darkness that we could encounter, like a black mirror. Crazy. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's an amazing show. That's a really good show. All, a, a lot of Netflix originals right now are absolutely Dude, this is it. the, like, I think this is the best time for TV content. Like, it seems like we've kind of gone away from films, like movies, because we realize now that you can just tell so much of a richer story with, you know, an hour episode, but like 10 episodes. You can create such a much more rich narrative. You can develop characters in such interesting ways, like... That's why, I mean, a lot of people kind of talk trash about, like, Hollywood and how they just, you know, they're either making sequels or they're making superhero films. But it's just, like, the like the content has shifted. Like, they know that they can make money with another fucking Wonder Woman 6 or whatever. <laughs> like, but they, they're not necessarily willing to take chances on, like, more avant-garde or, like, pushing the boundary of... of yeah film i guess kind of boils down to the capitalist views of hollywood too Mm. though like Mm. if you put 350 million dollars into a movie you're probably going to want more than right yeah 400 out of it yeah yeah yeah. 100 percent. it's it's pretty intense absolutely what they they do with some of that but i totally agree with like what netflix has done or pbs has always been a hbo hbo like down abbey yeah yeah. i was a huge sucker for were you really i I never watched it it's incredible yeah it's a little slow, potentially, uh-huh. but the character work, the environment, the cinematography. Like, everything's perfect, like costumes. perfect. Yeah. The mannerisms, that, like, yeah. they've learned how to eat and what forks were for what. Because at <laughs> that time, there was, like, four different forks. <laughs> yeah, <there>. yeah. <laughs> you were, like, English aristocracy. Exactly. And I always find that interesting, like, as an actor, too, like... I've kind of ruined it for myself a tiny bit where like mm. when you learn or watch something, I, I watch it as what it is to an audience member, but I'm always kind of thinking about right. like, how did they do that? Yeah. Why do they do that? Like, yeah. Like what kind of techniques did they put oh, into I that? Oh, I bet. You'll, you probably have such a different lens when you're watching a film. Like my friend, I was telling you about, uh, shout out Matt Cropscott. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's uh, also in uh, performing arts, Very actually cool. at San Jose State. Okay. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, he's kind of opened my eyes to, uh, like how like a director or like a producer is actually, like ha- that lens in in watching a film, seeing the, you know, constructing of the scenes or like like camera angles and shots and stuff. Like it's made me really appreciate sort of a whole other side to films than I that I previously had. It's really interesting. For sure. Yeah. Have you ever seen um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine? The original or the new one? New one. I have not seen the new one. Have you seen the original? I have seen the original. You should watch the new one. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, that's got um, Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling. Oh, two great actors. Yeah, dude. The the shots, like the cinematography, beautiful. Like, it's like breathtaking. Dude, if I could have been Han Solo, bro. (laughs) (laughs) 
If only. No, I'm sure that's every guy's dream at one point. <laughs> yeah. Princess Leia and Han Solo. Are you a big Star Wars fan? I am a huge Star Wars yeah? nerd. Is that right? I am an absolute fanatic. Damn. But, like, I'm not a person who would be like, we need to watch all of them. Or, like, I'll watch them within a year. It's like, I've, uh-huh. I've seen them. I enjoy them. I love that ability of, the, like, that's a complete brand new page of imagination. Are you a fan of the newer films? Or are you sticking I to I have the... only watched the first of the new series. Okay. I kind of was kaputied after that yeah like sorry george lucas yeah yeah you, you kind of feel like it's been like disneyfied a bit or what I do you feel think? like it's turned into another money grab franchise yeah 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 that's kind yeah. of like always about these like it's kind of why i've stuck to theater work and stuff and mm. like i do like film and you definitely need kind of that kind of stuff to have a career because the theater doesn't unfortunately pay well enough mm-hmm. But, like, independent films or, like, independent TV shows and stuff like that, exactly what you're talking about, what you can do with ten episodes that are an hour each, you can dive into the real story and stuff. Right. But when you have an hour and a half to sell the entire plot, yeah. you got to make children's toys and books and yeah. sell it to Much. the entire world. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. 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 I, I think because I think Hollywood is stuck in a little bit of a bind where they've pushed so much to sell to the globe instead of to a certain audience and it mm. needs to go back where not every movie needs to fit every audience right right yeah yeah because that's how you create art absolutely like wes anderson like not necessarily amazing person looking at everything he's done but mm-hmm. his movies are phenomenal mm. Mm. and like because he has a specific vision right and yeah. he's not tailoring it to he's like not the demands it of to a specific group of people mm. and like Steven Spielberg bounces in and out of it with like Forrest Gump, with mm. Saving Private Ryan, mm. with all kinds of like E.T. Like, yeah, not any of those are on the same playing field, but yeah. they all attain to a certain audience and they all work around the basis of what is he trying to make? Yeah, like an entertain entertainment, creative an expression. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredible. That's awesome. A little side rant right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, good. Are you a Lord of the Rings fan as well? I am. Yeah. I, I didn't get into like The Hobbit or any of that, but I remember watching those movies when I was a kid with my dad mm. and stuff, and the orcs always just intrigued. <laughs> this is so cool. I do. I have a distinct memory of, I must have been pretty young, but watching Return of the King in uh, theaters, and just, get, yeah, there's this incredible battle scene, I think, where it starts with an orc just getting an arrow just straight to the eye. Oh, is that where he falls off the... Yeah, it was, he's yeah. like the first person yeah. to die in that huge battle, and then just that chaos ensues. <laughs> I think my brother actually went and watched that with us, and he was like seven. That's hilarious. <laughs> Probably some therapy in well, the future. I, I, I watched Jaws in like third or fourth grade. Oh, yeah. And Aliens not close after that did it scare did it like oh, traumatize you at all? i was messed up yeah I, I couldn't even go into the lake for a while really like that's fresh water yeah <laughs> no dude i also had a weird thing about even like deep ends of pools and stuff there's, I just, there's sharks in any water yeah right i was like what if they press a button and like a giant great white comes out <laughs> like why would that ever happen in a chlorinated pool i don't well, know that definitely stays it remains on my top three biggest fears like the open Shark? ocean oh open ocean spiders and airplanes Really? You're afraid of, afraid of flying? I'm so scared of flying. Wow. I clench that seat so hard it sometimes leaves like handprints. Really? Is that because you've had like a bad experience? I've had multiple little wanky experiences. Like I was on a flight from Hawaii where it hit an air pocket and I watched the flight attendant hit the ceiling of the plane and like we, ev- all the masks came down. Oh my God, like really? Like it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. I was, or I was already in like the position to like 
duck and cover and die. Wow. Which I've heard completely side note, but the FD, whatever, the FFA or the Federal Flight, whatever. whatever. Yeah. They put you in that position to break your neck on impact. So what? So, because it's cheaper to pay off your death than pay off your family's. Uh, is that true? Yeah, it is true. That's It's dark. been talked about how at times. But, like, they put you in that position so the metal beam of the seat in front of you will crush your head and push your spine down like your the feet, Like the fetal position where you're, yeah, like, where protecting you're, everything? Yeah, when you, like, duck your head into between your knees yeah. on a plane, yeah. And I'm six foot two, so when I get on a plane, my knees are already touching the seat. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's no way my head's going to fit there. Wow. But I don't know. No, yeah, I've had some weird planes. I was on a flight from France once right when that, like, Greenland <coughs> volcano went off. Mm-hmm. Like, a while I, ago. Saw, yeah. I was on the mm-hmm. last flight out of Charles de Gaulle Airport before yeah. they shut that place down. Damn. That's crazy. That's weird. I flew to England for uh, my aunt's wedding the same time. That's crazy. Yeah, that was, world, it was right? so, yeah, that is a small world. It, it was a stressful experience, I remember, because we were like, God. my grandma was like, really, really wanted us all at the wedding, and... Um, like you say, like everything was shut down. Like that volcano screwed over things so much. Yeah. And at one point, my mom was like, "Okay, I'm gonna drive to L.A. and then I'm gonna take a flight to New York and then I'm gonna take a flight to Madrid and then I'm gonna drive from Madrid to." It was like she was gonna do all this, and then luckily we got on like the last flight out, oh similar to goodness. you, like last flight from the U.S. Madrid to. Yeah, I don't even know. It was some crazy insane. route. Yeah, it was some insane, like... That would be insane. Yeah. Because I took an overnight train from Paris to, like, the border of Russia as a part of oh, that shit. Boy Scouts thing I was talking cool. about. I took, like, five days. What? Just to get That's there. That's insane. And Holy we did it all shit. the way back. Five we, days? We did, like, a hiking thing and then picked up a thing back. But wow. Yeah. That's, I guess that is all across Europe, that though. That was insane. Yeah. That's we were such bad kids on that trip, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you were cooped up in a train. Like, for come on, days. You, you gotta, you gotta cut the kids some slack. It was like four days, I think, actually. That's insane, dude. Yeah. What? We were like throwing gummy bears at each other and shit. You got to. How else are you gonna entertain yourself? Throwing pencils at each other. <laughs> I don't. I there's something about. I've been on a lot of long like train journeys and bus journeys and stuff, and depending on. Like, sometimes I can work myself into a state where I'm just kind of, like, content sitting there and, like, thinking about stuff, looking out the window. And then other times I just get so restless and, like, oh, for sure. ah, get me out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just want to get to this fucking destination, like, before I go crazy. <laughs> well, a little T-bit of that thing I was talking about earlier when I was saying something like finding it hard to balance, like, the acting time and my other personal mm. art time. It's something my mom said to me when I was younger is that when she gets on a plane, it's like two hours or so and so many hours of her life where she literally doesn't have to do shit. Right. It's like you have no phone connection. You have no obligations to anybody because you're obviously headed somewhere. Yeah. And like I've kind of started thinking about it more that way. Nice. Like Disconnect. It's just like, oh, I can sit here. But I'm just always holding that seat like good God. Yeah. Every time, there's a, at least one of my hands is fully gripping the chair at all times. Wow, that would, th- dude. If so, if I got to my seat and someone was just like, <laughs> you, like you see, okay, no, I'm not. Like, I don't look fucking yeah. tweaking. Okay, it's okay. like, it's internal. It's internal. Yeah, I'm just you. like I'm very subconsciously holding it in case the slightest bump or any of that. Wow. So when you hit uh, turbulence, do you get kind of like. This is it. Like we're going down. No, because okay. I've like I've done research and stuff, and that's I don't recommend that to anybody who's scared of flying. Don't read <laughs> any of that. <laughs> but statistically, the odds are pretty high, uh, like low, though, right? They're like, pretty. 
relatively well. I guess if you don't fly a lot. Yeah. Uh, what's really cool about the modern era of flying is how like so many different companies tried to compete for the monopoly of like the air business. So like Boeing mm. and all those other companies. I'm blanking on some of the names, but Lockheed Martin uh, or stuff Rolls like Royce. that, like Concord and all that jazz. Yeah. Like Boeing has won this monopoly over like like I'm sure like ninety percent of the planes you get on is made and manufactured and maintained by Boeing. Boeing. Yeah. And so when that happens, in a case like that, any accident or any situation that goes wrong on a plane, they instantly figure out what happened. They instantly adapt the plane. So now you see all these planes having little curved endings on the wings and stuff. Mm. That's like to save fuel and all that jazz, mm-hmm. like to help with turbulence. Mm-hmm. What is this like in that kind of situation? It's always for the better. It's like going to help you. But I still get terrified. Yeah. I don't know. I... You see the people that put your luggage on that plane. You know that guy goes home and fucking rolls a backwood and eats Gatorade <laughs> and watches the football game. But like, hopefully the pilot Amazing is a, people. Like, gotta yeah. love those people. But, like, people make mistakes. Oh, for sure. And yeah. you can't hate someone for making a mistake. But yeah. when that mistake has 365 other people just sitting in chairs watching two people with a joystick control this, like, <laughs> tuna can with wings. I mean, a lot of the time you're just trusting the autopilot, too, right? I don't right? trust nobody. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Especially two guys locked in a little box in the front of the that plane. have probably been flying like nonstop from for the last four days, right? Exactly. Like that's a hard life, the life of a pilot and like an air steward. Yeah. I just thought about that as like an interesting job, but I think that would be really tough on and your now body. In the sense where you barely make more than a minimum wage job. Yeah, right. It's not. It's not very yeah. lucrative. And you need fifteen hundred hours flight hours to do that, and just to even for a commercial for a commercial license. license. But even to get, like, the 35 or so that you need for your little private license, that costs, like, oh, thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars. Right. So, like, how to get 1500 from 35 is, yeah. like... Yeah. Is that, like, a school? I don't even know how you become a pilot. There's a whole bunch of different, like, schools and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of people join the Air Force to get time uh, like that. Yeah. Like, that's what my buddy's doing right now. Oh, yeah? He wants to become we, a commercial pilot? He's working on an AC-130 as one of, like, the Shit. operational gunners or something. Oh, he's not dang. allowed to talk too much about it, but he's using that Is he overseas? Of, he's overseas right now. Wow. But he's talking to me about, before he left, like, all the training he did in the Air Force to, like, learn the maintenance of, like, the special doors and, like, the lifts on an AC-130, the, like, wheels and the tire pressure and the engine input. Just everything. Just, like, all the huge. mechanics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All of it. I think at one point he wants to become a cargo pilot or something like that. Oh, okay. Damn. Um, that's that's so intense. That's crazy. Yeah. Can you imagine firing a rocket out of a plane? <laughs> like, good God. That's it. That's what he does. That's an interesting way to live, man, or an interesting way to make a living, I guess. Yeah. He protects, uh, like, no-fly zones. That's that's wow. what his little team does right now. So Dang. I think they flew to, like, the Iron They do Gate. those with AC-130s? <laughs> wow. They do all kinds of stuff, bro. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is missile-oriented and radar-oriented now, but definitely if there's something up there and they need to get people up, they're going to put an F-22 Raptor right next to them and an AC-130 across the way. Jeez. AC-130 is more for ground support, though. So in a no-fly zone, it's like if they're putting people on the ground, say like in Afghanistan, they need like a troop extract. Mm -hmm. They're going to block out the airspace with all kinds of different things and then carpet bomb or AA gun different things from the sky and then pull people out. It's amazing that there's, like, the science to it now. Like, there's literally, like, with trial and error through warfare across time, we've, like, perfected 
the best science way. Science or business, almost. It's oh, yeah. scary. Yeah, like military-industrial complex Absolutely. stuff. And everything that we get out of technology is a parallel between science and military technology. Oh, 100%. So, like, the x-ray that you use at the airport to get from places was originally created to see a certain wavelength in space. Because mm. we can only see so many colors and right. spectrums. Right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they're like, oh, we had a hijacking to cuba we need this in airports and yeah boom 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 here so you it's go crazy how yeah funds the shit out of it yeah that's an interesting kind of artifact like si- like we push science and technology as this kind of like savior of humanity almost or like our, our most redeeming aspect is like we can create these incredible machines that make lives easier for people but there's a huge like thing you just highlighted there where majority of that technology is funded through warfare and like, well, motivated through getting better at warfare, right? Like, yeah. as a lot, a lot of it is coming from that. Like, I heard an interesting argument, and I definitely can't pick specifics out of it. But I was reading something, and I heard someone talking about it before that, like, they were saying something along the lines that would the U.S. ever have pulled out of the Great Depression if we weren't forced into World, World War, War II? II? I've heard that as well, and a and lot of people really say no, right? Like, this, like we needed that stimulus to like of production. I've and heard it go both ways because there was definitely like the I'm totally blanking on what it was like the roosevelt productions or something where they built the big old road to like yosemite and stuff like that mm. they did the huge highway renovations and stuff but like even that. still like whatever infrastructure oh, program oh, that's course. gonna no, like minimal, minimal minimal compared to like a world war where we're just yeah. well even still like if well okay this is maybe where i lack the education from it because i call myself a little bit of a world war ii nut and mm. stuff and i love to know about stuff like that but like if we were in a great depression and like the government was in like a certain binding with its spendings and stuff where the hell did it get the emergency money to start funding factories to pump out b29 bombers mm. and Tanks. I think we borrow. Did we borrow a lot of it? Oh, very much. We could have. Yeah. I just I haven't heard that section of the history. Yeah, I don't. I don't really I've know. I've never had the question before either. I never really thought about. Yeah. It. I was just like. Hmm. I would think. I mean, I know war bonds were a big thing. So oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the like you know, U.S. population would buy and these then bonds. you could be reinvested after the war. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But if that, I don't know. If to be honest, lose. arms deals. You know, like True. yeah, lots of things. It's amazing that we have these landmark events in recent history, like world wars, that we can point to as like these these chaotic battles between like a moral good and a moral evil, like this black and white. But wasn't and that, World War One the war to end all wars? It was supposed to be right, the Great War. Exactly. Yeah, and then it happened again. But that was also because we just dealt with World War One, like the reparations and everything that Germany was forced to pay. Sure. Like that fucked everything. And up. there was like the League of Nations, the pre-model yeah, to the United which was Nations that didn't absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, it was like watch me do this, even though you told me not to. Yeah, just couldn't enforce anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there was some part I don't. Maybe did you tell me this that at one point Japan walked into the United Nations conference talking about all this stuff because they were slowly realizing. That they were joining, like, Germany and Italy and, like, this hmm. Axis side. Right. I don't think I told you this. And one. Japan came into the meeting and in full English was, we do not agree to these circumstances. Huh. And just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> just like. Basically, fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. We know what we're doing. We're, we're going in for the long haul. Wow. That's just crazy. Man. Yeah. And then the way it still works now, that we made money pumping in privately to, like, M1 Abrams tanks into the mm. M1 Garand and all these different small but U.S. made manufacturers. Dude, arms deals. I mean, we just made, I think we, 
Trump just signed like a hundred, what was it, a hundred million dollar deal with Saudi Arabia for arms? Like, oh, I believe it's probably even more. higher than that. Yeah, I think it I might have been a billion or something. Because yeah. China just bought like 400 F-22 Raptors. Fuck. Those jets, right? Yeah, they're like big old tactical flying combat I wonder how much, one of, how much one of those cost. I think it's like $1.2 billion. For if, all of them? No, for one of them. No. Yeah. No, what? It, it's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And it's ranked one of the worst uh, combat jets. But wow. it's because it's so technologically advanced in tiny little aspects compared to its like mm. flight performance, I think. I, I haven't done too much research on this mm. stuff. But Does this stuff interest you? Like you like oh, looking I, into war? When you asked if I look up news and stuff like that, yeah. that is one of the first things I look at. I look at... Yeah. So I'm, I'm invested a tiny, tiny bit in like Lockheed Martin and stuff okay. like that. Mm-hmm. But just hearing about the drama about it going on worldwide or who's selling what to what or huh. like seeing pictures of combat footage like in ISIS with Russian made weapons. It's right. just, it's whole, it's terrifyingly hilarious. Mm. It's so scary, it's funny. <laughs> at, at least to me <laughs> I, I know i'm off tilt so it <laughs> but it, it's just funny i think it's really funny to just we if there's money to be made off of it someone's gonna do it right yeah and that's terrifying but really can you blame them right can you we've we've set up or i mean we haven't set up this we, i mean i yeah the anyway States the system is, is set up to al-qaeda yeah, back in the, like the eighteen, we sold. Yeah, we we. I think we trained uh, Bin Laden, right? When he was a Mujahideen fighter. Oh, I've like, actually never heard that. But no. I, yeah, I, I think when that. he was a uh, part of the Mujahideen, which was like the force that was fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan, because the Soviets tried to invade Afghanistan yeah. in like the late eighties, early nineties. And they're like, "We'll give you any weapon you yeah. ever want." And, and training, give us oil. like tactical military training from the U.S. U.S. fucking military, like, and then he goes and uses that. And coordinates this attack on America, like True. incredible. Like, but have you ever watched some of those videos? Not to like the training piss videos on anybody, but they definitely don't know what they're doing. The ISIS people, not necessarily ISIS specifically, but like the Afghani people or like the Iraqi people. But like, like the terrorist organizations. No, no, just no. the people trying to take on some of that U.S. training. Oh, okay, it's okay. Just, it's it's really hard to train people without resources really hard to train people without resources so it's a little funny to watch but you definitely know that they're doing it for a good cause yeah yeah i mean that's a lot of all now i don't know about now but like uh, in recent history that was kind of all drive was to go there train a civilian or military force like adequately enough so that they could you know fend off whatever future invasion themselves and without u.s intervention which time uh, I think that, I mean, that was like our... Like the Gulf War, OG yeah, our, 90s. Like ex, yeah, our exit strategy, right, is like... I mean, I don't even... I think we're still in... I, mean, I don't even know. Are we still in Afghanistan and yeah, Iraq? we're still in we're Afghanistan. We're still there, right? Yeah. We're not in Pakistan as much anymore, but we're in Iraq and Afghanistan. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems like that's just gonna... Like, we'll have just permanent bases there. <laughs> like, it seems like it. Saudi Arabia wants us to. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man, Saudis. Oh, dude, speaking of news, did you see there's a recent thing with uh, this um, Saudi journalist where he, I think he was pretty outspoken against the regime, like the, the Saudi royal family. And he, there's a video of him walking into the Saudi, or uh, the, it's some consulate, like an embassy, and then he doesn't walk out. And he was found, I think, a barrel was found of his dissolved remains. 
already easily believe that. That's terrifying. Yeah. So they killed this. They killed this journalist, and he, I think he's a. I want to say he's a Turkish journalist. I don't actually remember. But he's also a dual citizen of the U.S. So it's like, what the fuck? Nuke it from space. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we have these deals, and then Saudi Arabia does things like that. It's like, how do we... I don't know, man. That's crazy. Geopolitics is just so fascinating. What they did with themselves, like at that one point where the new Saudi prince put all those people into like that five-star hotel and turned a five-star hotel into a prison. Prison, yeah. People died there. Yeah, I think like that's his... tortured and waterboarded people there. Fuck. I think that's uh, part of those people, a royal family, like that he's related to. I've heard. I have a family friend who's a little bit more distance now. They were really close to my mom for a while. Mm -hmm. But I heard this amazing story that at one point when he was called up for money and he had all those people in that hotel and he didn't have the funds he needed, he was able to arrange, I think it was a stupid number, like $7.8 billion in 48 hours by interrogating like seven people or like nine people. I don't doubt it at all. There's just so much money in that like oil. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah, yeah. Because they hold... I don't, I'm not going to get into that because I've definitely missed some of my information on some of it. But I know there's a huge thing with like the historical grants to the land that they have, the rights that they sold to its future, mm. and like what they can do with what's under it. So it's just right. like, and all kinds of aspects they're making money off of. Absolutely, it. yeah, that's scary, man. That's pretty crazy. The world's a scary place. It is a scary place. And that's why art needs to always continue. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Creative expression. Creative expression. This. Things like this, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is awesome. We've literally just, like, I, I can, I'll be honest with you. I came into it, like, we're going to talk about art. We're going <laughs> to talk about what influenced me to become an artist. We're going to talk about my art. And I mean, we no, sort of did no, that. we sort of a little bit. But, yeah. like, I really love this spitballing that is capable. Yeah, it's, good. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I love it as well. Free form. Free form. Free absolutely. Speech. Well, it's getting towards the uh, the end of our time here. We got a studio till eight, so I might uh, stop this and save it, and then. No, sounds good. Yeah, all good, bud. All righty, Thank man. you again for having me. No worries. This was great. That was yeah, awesome. Absolutely. All right, people. Bye, people. Till next time.